All right. Well, to start off our thought process this morning, I don't know if I'm going to handle that, that thing being that loud. But to start off our process, thought process this morning, I wanted to ask a question as far as what is our typical, or, well, not necessarily our typical thought, but the, the world, world's viewpoint, their thought process as far as uh, uh, what to do when choosing a religion. When, we're, when choosing a, a church or, or somewhere to worship at, what is the worldly viewpoint on how to do that? Yes, Jeff. All right, what they want. Karen, I saw you and then Eric. What kind of programs? What is it going to do for me? What's close to their house? Yeah, don't want to drive an hour away. We want to stay. Yes, Jim. What the building looks like. To, to round them all down, I guess, to put them together. So, well, you know, go, go to the church of your choice. You know, where, where you feel most accepted at. You know, and even people I've talked to in the past, especially, you know, when you talk about being entertained or, or uh, what kind of social groups they have or what have you. <clears throat> you know, I've talked to people in the past and, and made reference to that, and they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't... I don't go for this or that and everything else. But every time they start talking about it, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about this group over here and how they enjoy this group and do that. And, and they enjoy the band up there. and what have you. I mean, Regardless of whether or not they think that's what they're going for, that's, when you listen to what they say, you'll understand that's typically what they're going for. Now, I'm not trying to have a class on this aspect of it, but just trying to get our mindset and in the direction we're going today. Um, ultimately, what I'm wanting to get out of is that from a worldly standpoint, <clears throat> uh, tolerance in different religions and in, in the different things that are being uh, uh, brought out in different churches is has to be, uh, or in a worldly standpoint, they want you to be accepted. And uh, and they don't want you to say, oh, well, you know, that's against God's word. You know, we shouldn't be doing that. They don't want you talking like that. And uh, but if we was to look in Moses or in Moses in Deuteronomy chapter six, uh, which is where our lesson is going to be coming from this morning, is Deuteronomy chapter six, and we're not going to get through, but about the first six verses. Um. But here we find that Moses in today's society would be politically incorrect, uh, I guess you could say, because he taught that there was only one God and that there is a particular way that we need to act, the way that we should worship. And I'm sure that he had, uh, had... Offended others, you know. Think about the Egyptians and the and the gods that they had, the Canaanites and the gods that they had. <clears throat> they didn't uh, specify as a, a one particular god. They recognized that there were other groups out there that had their gods, but but Moses uh, had had pointed out that there is only one God. And that we should be following him. 
and his commandments. <clears throat> Remember, this is just after, because uh, in the previous chapter here in chapter 5 is where he had gone over the Ten Commandments once again and was renewing or reminding the, the children of Israel here of the Ten Commandments before they entered the land uh, that, that God had promised them. So <clears throat> for us today, we should also stand with Moses as well. Because if God says that we need to do something, it matters, and we need to follow his commands. Let's flip over to James chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, if somebody wants to read that for us. Along with what we've said here, as far as believing that there is one God, what is it that James points out here? All right. They believe that there is only one God, but... As the scripture says there in James, <clears throat> belief alone is not the only thing. We ought to have faith, and that faith without works is dead. That's what it points out there. So saying this, a belief that does not change a person's behavior is what? What's that? Meaningless. It does nothing. You know, if it doesn't change, if your belief uh, does not change how you act, then uh, there's no point in it. You know, we hear of people or, you know, might know people or you might even be one that, you know, will excel, will uh, put a lot of time and dedication and, and, and enthusiasm in different sports or uh, education or maybe even your, your work as your job or what have you, and there's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> but we might put a lot of time and dedication and energy and, 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 and thrive at that. And we'll, from others, we'll get a lot of uh, maybe respect or, uh, or, hey, you know, good job, keep, keep going. But if we put that same kind of energy and effect in, in, in dedication into our Christian walk, do we oftentimes get the same response? Especially in the world, what is it that, that we get? Eric, you're shaking your head. What kind of, what kind of response do you think we typically get? Especially being made fun of, right? Oh, man, there's that, that religious nut job. You know, that's... Get on over here. I don't want to. Don't want him coming up talking to me. <clears throat> right now, we don't always get the same kind of respect there, uh, and a lot of times we'll get made fun of, as what you have made reference to, or actually get put down. Might even become the center of their jokes or what have you. But thinking about this, our our whole topic on this class is renewing our spiritual life. And so far, we started off talking about renewing our love. Uh, you know, we need to have a, a renewal of our love to, Christ, to God. We need to renew our trust and renew our values. Well, today, we're talking about our commitment. You know, what kind of commitment do we have and, and try to renew it, try to make it better? Um, and 
not so much that we all you know, have failed, but if we are doing good, there's always room for improvement, so we can always do better. So as I talk about this, I don't want us to think that you know, we're all you know, not doing so well, but we, we always have room for improvement, typically. So any thoughts or comments on this? Yes, Jeff. That's a, that's a good analogy. I appreciate that, Jeff. Very good. Um, especially when you think about the aspect of seeing one, someone drowning in sin. You know, if we don't act upon it, say, you know, yeah, yeah, they're, they're not doing right. I'm just going to sit over here because I don't want somebody to think that I'm a, I'm a Jesus fanatic and, and make fun of me or anything. I mean, very, very good analogy there. God doesn't want half-heartedness. He doesn't want us to, to give part of us. He wants all of us. And, uh, and I didn't think about this until just, just now. I want to say it was Jeremy, uh, and it wasn't any time recently. It was been a while ago. He had done a lesson or devotional or something, and he had a picture of a wagon wheel up there. I want to say it was a wagon wheel. Wasn't it a wagon wheel? And it was making reference of how that you know, we shouldn't have like a pie chart and say, oh, you know what, we'll give them 60%, and that's going to be God. And then, you know, we'll have your know, work over here and then family over here and then, you know, other things, what have you, over here. It shouldn't be a pie chart, but rather a wagon wheel to where we're the hub or the center of that wheel is God. And then everything that comes off of it should be the different aspects, our life, our friends, our family, you know, what have you. And the whole wheel makes up our life. And I, and I love that, um, that description there. And, and, and also, I just wanted to share that with you as well. But, um, but he doesn't want just part of us. He wants all of us. And we look at the first six verses of Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see this. Let me get somebody to read verses 1 through 3 of Deuteronomy 6 there. First of all, just to kind of back up and, and, or to go backwards, I guess you can say, there at the very end when it talked about uh, you know, the land of flowing with milk and honey, uh, just as it was promised to to you, basically to their their parents. <clears throat> that comes out of Exodus chapter three and verse eight, uh, when Moses was taking them up out of the land of, or had come in to save them from the Egyptian captivity. Uh, that was one of the promises that was given there. <clears throat> so. But at the beginning, <clears throat> uh, well, there in verse 2 it says that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments. I know Jeremy's version had worded it a little different now. I can't remember exactly the way. But anyway, it's pretty much the same thing. But it had made mention of uh, fearing him. What does it mean? What is the word fear there representing? Is it so much as, you know, 
<clears throat> a fear is like a, a, a kid going into a dark room or, or maybe even us going into a dark room, depending on how your fears might have gone out. Yes, Trish? Obeying? Hearing and obeying? Karen? Okay. All of his power? All right. So, in a sense, it's, it's a form of respect. Uh, uh, the fear is more of a form of respect uh, that is showed uh, by uh, your obedience to him. All right. Well, we are to fear or respect God in, in his things. Any thoughts or comments additional? Yes, Jeff. If we're going to trust that he can do, that he'll do good, if we do good, we need to trust the same aspect in the, in the opposite. If we don't do what we're commanded to do, that he will uphold his end of the bargain on the bad end as well. Very good. Anything else? Well, let's look at verse 4. <clears throat> All right. So he is one. He is not one of many. He is not the greatest, but he is one, the one and only, um, which is part of what I was referencing earlier when talking about how that Moses had had stated that there is only one God, um, that, that there's not many out there, there's not many different ways that we can look at it, but there's only one. And if we truly do believe that there is only one God, then we need to look at verse 5, which is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. First of all, what's the, the, the main thing that, that should jump out at us with this? There's one particular word that's used a few different times. What is that? All. Very good. <clears throat> Just as we was talking about a little bit ago, which I probably should have saved till now, he uh, he wants all of us. He doesn't want just part of us. He wants all of us, the whole thing. <clears throat> and he points out three different areas. And what was that? The heart, the soul, and the strength or might. Yeah. To to. Go along with this, though. What's the different aspects here? When we say all of our heart, when we say all of our heart, what is he referencing as the heart? Or mind? All right. Which is, what, what's some of the aspects of our mind that, he, that he's referencing as far as what he wants? It's not, you know, I mean, with our heart, we're, Referencing uh, the emotion aspect, that's what Mike's pointing out and Jeff was going on. The mind and also our will or a dedication. Uh, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must, be a, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All right, this reference back uh, to what Jeff was saying a little bit ago as far as uh, how that we need to believe that if he's going to, um, <clears throat> this was actually the verse that I was thinking of, Jeff, when you, 
was making reference to that, but left me. But yes, if he's going to do good to those who do good, he's going to do you know, hold up the, the punishment for those that don't. <clears throat> but it's also showing uh, that with, our, with loving him with all of our heart, that we need to give him our mind, the reasoning, um, because he doesn't want us to follow him blindly, but to use our, our thought process. Yes, and that's what I was trying to reference with those. You know, they don't want him. He doesn't want us to blindly see, you know, follow him, but yet to seek him, to diligently seek his word and the things that he has therein, and to follow him through his word, not by just a blind faith off of what other people might say. Yes. But to go along with the reasoning behind uh giving him our all, we should give him our will, uh, which is our dedication. Doesn't give up in a hard struggle, but yet continues to push on. That doesn't uh, fade away, you know, when the bad times come and just give him the, the pleasure whenever we're having a good aspect. Yes, Karen? But as Mike was uh, pointing out a minute ago, we also have you're in reference, and this is all, it was the three different things that's behind the, the heart, you know, as far as giving him uh, with all your heart, uh, was the mind, the, uh, uh, the will, and our emotions. Uh, at the same time that God doesn't want us to just follow him blindly in the, uh, and not truly seek out his word. He doesn't want us to just follow him because of the of the the good reward either. He wants us to to truly have that love and that comprehension uh, of the love there as well. Any thoughts or comments on the mind or the the heart aspect? The second thing that he made mention of is you know, he uh, love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul, what would you define as that? I mean, that's, that's really probably one of the hardest things to try to point out. How can we follow him with all of our soul? All right. And just to go along with what you say in there, what does Galatians 2 and verse 20 point out? And it goes right along with what you're, you're saying. Well, I know it's kind of hard to try to separate it out and, but I still feel that if it was all encompassing when he just says, you know, to love the Lord that God with all your heart, then why would he put in there with all your soul and with all your strength as well? I mean, there's three things that he points out here. Now, as far as what, I, I don't know, and I mean, maybe I'm wrong in saying that, but I feel like that if it was, you know, if everything it was encompassed with the word heart, then why would he need to go through and say all your soul and all your strength? Um, now, I mean, once again, I don't know that for sure. I'm just a low man here. <laughs> yes, Jim. With the last one, as far as strength goes, Galatians uh, 5 and, chapter, and verse 6, let no one deceive you 
with empty words because for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Uh, John chapter 14 and verse 15 basically is uh, summing everything up, talking about if you, if you love me, keep my, keep my commandments. But the strength aspect, I'm sorry, I thought that was going in a different direction. But uh, if the, as far as the strength, uh, once again, referencing back what Jim and May mentioned, it's three different aspects, and the strength, it, it's more of our actions, how we, we carry about ourselves, more than just, because the, the soul is the direction, the, the uh, heart is, is our mindset in, in how we're going, but the strength is more so from our actions, how we carrying out the rest of it. Uh, it's the best way I know to continue on with that. Do you have any other? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that, you know, is also part of our actions as well. Communicating to others is part of our actions. Any other thoughts or comments? So I got to close it out because we're out of time. I appreciate it.